0: My name is Megan Bradley, and I am originally from St. John, New Brunswick. I am the director of Parisian Laundry Gallery in Montreal.
1: I'm Mark wilson This show is called Into This, and in it, I have conversations with people involved in all branches of the contemporary arts. Today, I'll be sharing with you a conversation I had with Megan Bradley a few months back. Megan is the director of Persian Laundry Gallery in Montreal. They are one of the leading contemporary art galleries in the city, representing a bunch of really talented people. She has always been interested in the art market, but before getting to Persian Laundry, she opened her own gallery right after finishing her bachelor's degree in art history from Concordia University. And she told me that she learned a lot about the reality of the art industry throughout the project. After the closure of her gallery, she went back to school to get her master's degree, also from Gorda University. I think our conversation went really well. Of course, it helps that we had some conversations in the past, either at the gallery or some other places. So that always helps for sure. And it was really interesting and instructive, at least to me, to get into the topic of the art market, which, you know, is never an easy thing to bring up without raising some strong opinions. So, yeah, in general, I'm pretty happy I got the opportunity to talk to Megan for the show. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. This is Megan Bradley and me in September of 2017. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to tell you this. Like, thank you so much for doing this. I'm super happy that you're accepted to come and talk to me.
0: Thank you for the and, invitation. Yeah. I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Yeah. So... I always like to I like to know like the original objectives and and, and ideals of why people get into the arts, you know, mm-hmm. like why people decide to devote their lives to be part of the art world.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it sort of just happened uh, without me really knowing it. Um, I was studying doing uh, doing an undergraduate degree in arts and mm-hmm. science, you know. And then I happened to take an art history class for non-fine art students, and I really enjoyed it. And then I just kind of decided to follow through with that and switched um, departments and then pursued this, you know, art history degree. And then a lot of people always say, oh, well, what do you do with an art history degree? Well, I I don't know. As I was doing the degree, I was really interested in the market. I was super interested in, like, the YBAs, the young British artists. Uh Um, People like Damien Hirst, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit it, but, I mean, I was interested in what he was doing in terms of, like, being hyper-aware of the market. And I was also interested in people like Charles Saatchi, who is an advertising um, guy, you know, Mm -hmm. who was developing all these emerging artists' uh, careers in in uh, the UK and I was sort of was just kind of like studying that stuff while doing my art history degree and was just thinking like oh wow how come there isn't more of this action in Canada you know right and it was kind of just always sitting in the back of my mind and then of course I finished the degree and then was like oh I'm going to you know go work in a gallery and uh-huh. you know realized quickly that there weren't there weren't that many galleries. There weren't very many jobs. You know, yeah. it was pretty hard. And so, um, I just knew, but I knew that I wanted to be involved of course. in the market. So. Uh yeah, I I kind of took it upon myself to then proceed from there. Yeah. And
1: uh before I get into the, what do you do after? Uh why do you say that you're like a little bit embarrassed of,
0: of Oh no, I just <laughs> think that I mean actually it's probably only because of the show that's on right now in Venice. Uh, There's this Damien Hurst show where it's just like I think kind of a disaster. It's sort of yeah. um this really um I don't know how to explain it. It almost feels like um the dollar store blown up or something like, you know, it's like all these tchotchkes and, you know, things that are really cheap looking that have been made in huge scale and that are sculptures with tons of adornments and precious stones and, mm. you know, diamonds and whatnot. And everything just looks so over the top, that it feels like he's pushed his practice to some point of no return where everything is based on um, this idea of using really precious uh, materials to create works of high value in quotation marks, but that are actually just high value because of what they're made with, but not because they have any kind of Relevance, Right. Like, it's like what he did with that gold, that diamond yeah, um, skull. skull. Uh-huh. You know, when he did that, it was, like, it was kind of interesting because it was ironic in a way. And then now, I mean, I just don't even know what, is there any irony? I mean, what's left? I right, mean, if he just keeps doing it, yeah. what is it? Yeah, you know? because you
1: normally sell the idea, and the idea is what gets expensive, right? Yeah. Like the concept. Yeah. More than the actual material. More
0: than the material, yeah. or like if it is just about the material, then it can't. I mean, it has to be, there has to be something about the content of that material too, or like what is the story behind it. And I don't know, this whole exhibition just seemed just so ridiculous. That said, I didn't actually see it live. <laughs> <laughs> no. I went to Venice and I didn't want to, I didn't want, I was there really short time and I didn't want to waste my time. <laughs> seeing of course. It. But I saw, I had read yeah. so much about it and just formed my opinion based on,
1: on and, that. And in general, the Biennale, what do you think?
0: Oh, um, I was uh, disappointed with the biennial this year. Um, I didn't think that the curated exhibition was as strong as in previous years. Um, I really felt like uh, a lot of the work was just uh, serving some kind of curatorial vision that I didn't really think was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, I could talk probably...
1: That's fine. That's what we want.
0: It, it just felt really, va- it, it felt like um, the premise was to show all these works and all these artists that has sort of maybe were underrepresented, but it didn't valorize the work. It actually just valorized the, the premise of, you know, okay, I am a curator. I'm going to go out and show all these artists that I feel aren't getting enough representation. Um, and so I'm going to do that times a hundred. so there's a lot of work and there's a lot of names that we don't necessarily know and nothing really fits together in any way that is more solid than just that that f- uh, baseline premise of you know here's a bunch of stuff that you've probably never seen before and it just didn't I don't think it did the work justice. Uh-huh. I think it just ended up being kind of a sea of stuff. So that was kind of disappointing. Of course, there were some good works. There were some, you know, there was definitely some interesting pieces in that show. But I just think in the past it's been really, really strong. And and that was not, it was not. it's not the best year.
1: Right. Yet. Reminds you how, how it works. is like there's one curator mm-hmm. for the whole thing. Or like it's like different it's, uh, countries. Because I know there's buildings for countries, right?
0: Definitely. Yeah. And actually what was cool about this year is that because I wasn't so interested in the curated show... Um, I actually ended up spending a bit more time in each of the country pavilions, mm. and I really fell in love with some of the presentations in each individual pavilion. So what happens in the pavilions, they're in the what they call the Giardini, and there are all the national pavilions. Mm-hmm. Some of them are outside of the Giardini, but most of them are there. And each um, nation, each country, picks a curator, and then that curator picks an artist or a group of artists, and they're presented within the pavilion. Um and so that happens and then at the same time there's the curated show in the Arsenale, which is just a massive space. And so it's a really big curated show, which is so daunting. I mean, I can't mm. imagine being that curator. It's yeah. there's so much pressure.
1: Right.
0: Um but yeah, and unfortunately it just it wasn't it wasn't great.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is gonna be like a really probably tough question, maybe not for you. Mm-hmm. But What goes into your decision-making of whether the show has, like, relevance Mm -hmm. or not? Like, basically, like, how do you decide whether you like the show or not?
0: I I think um, it is a difficult question to answer because there are so many different reasons why certain shows don't work Mm -hmm. and why some shows do work. But I would say that one of the most important things that I find in a show that is successful is that each artist's work is kind of doing what it's supposed to be doing and is really given its full place and its full potential to really, you know, to say what it has to say. And I think that's why I was disappointed in the show because the works were all kind of jumbled together and just became about um, one thing rather than about being there, each, you know, having their own voice. Right. Um, So I would say that that's important. And I think that that sometimes makes shows tricky because you want them to be super coherent. And sometimes works can cancel each other out. Mm. Like, it's, it's such a kind of fine line, because if the works are too similar in some ways, then maybe each of them are just kind of losing their own weight because they're, they're, they're canceling each other out. Whereas it's just this, ah, it's this tricky little game of, you know, you just have to kind of get everything right. So I can't, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I don't even want to criticize <laughs> <laughs> any curator of course in the, of the arsenal in Venice because that is, you know, a huge feat. I, I don't know how, how you could do it. But yeah. um, one of the main things that I look for is that, you know, I really want to see each work kind of manage to shine through the curator's vision, you know.
1: So in, in that sense, mixing artists... Uh, is it always problematic? You know, like in a group show. Say, yeah. for instance, like do you like that each artist has their own space?
0: No, not necessarily. Because no. again, I don't think that the, I don't think the canceling out is necessarily space related. I think it's related to like the concepts and ideas that each work is trying to put forth. So sometimes, if you're working with two artists who are talking about really similar things in their work, um, and you know they're in proximity to each other or not in the space. They're just they've kind of fold into one sometimes, which yes. um, is what makes it tricky. Because a coherent show, in a way, should just read, you know, that okay, there's this one premise, but a successful coherent show, I think, has all the up op- ah. like has all the intricacies and subtleties of recognizing each work within that show, yes. but knowing that it's under one umbrella. Right. You know?
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah so that it doesn't really get just like diluted into diluted the, into the whole... yeah
0: into something where each each thing doesn't mm-hmm. have its own presence. Yeah, yeah.
1: Did you go to Documenta? I did. And?
0: Uh, I went to Documenta, but I did not go to Athens. So as you may or may not know, Documenta this year was held in both Athens and in Castle, and um, I the Athens part of Documenta was over. Uh, when I went to Castle. And also, I mean, I had pretty limited time. So uh, Castle was the only thing I could do. It's my first time ever going to Documenta, so I have no experience to base it. I have nothing to relate to, right? Like, in terms of Venice, I've already been to Venice a couple of times, um, so it's sort of easier for me to have my bearings and kind of form opinions based on what I'd seen in the past, whereas at Documenta I had not been. Uh, So I... I tried to go in with really just, you know, an open mind, but I I think the problem was that from the get-go, I didn't enjoy the main exhibition. Um, the main exhibition was in the um, uh, uh and that's, like, a really important institution in Kassel, an important institution, I suppose, in Germany, um, and they had taken a whole bunch of works from the National uh, Gallery in Athens and put them in the uh, Frederick Kenium, and that was the exhibition. Right. Um, I felt that it was kind of patronizing in an odd way, like, oh, let's take all of your objects that mean something in your context and put them in our context Um and I just, I don't know, I didn't feel like it. I wanted it to be something that it wasn't. Um, mm. I wanted it to really, again, I, I sound like a broken record, but I wanted it to valorize the work and and really make the work the point. And again, I felt like it, the point was for me to feel like, oh, they've taken all this stuff from Athens and they've put it in this really important German institution. And of course, there was all the political of course. backtalk yeah. Yeah. going on in my head about Germany being the superpower in Europe Athens Greece being you know uh, sort of not in the best place economically um, and being considered kind of like a drain on the on the European Union mm, etc yeah. so there's just all this kind of political dialogue that I can't really you know forget about of course and then I'm just thinking about what that means to take all the I don't know it felt very like colonial I don't know it just it was it was weird yeah. I, I had a weird feeling about it and I also again didn't think the work was really um, Getting the space it deserved, the attention it deserved. There was a lot of work. Um, yeah, it 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 didn't.
1: Right. So it just didn't resonate with you.
0: Not not yeah. really. Yeah, not really. Yeah. So, again, there were really some great things to see, of and I was happy to see the things that I enjoyed. And. Um, there were certainly works that I was really happy to see, but the overall experience I didn't feel was. That's that's fine. Was I mean, the like, best, yeah.
1: You know, when when you're starting on something, any professional jobs or like any new uh, hobbies that you take on or whatever, like you will not be the greatest at mm. the beginning, right? Mm. And I wonder if you ever felt like that when you were starting to curate shows. <laughs> yes. Yes?
0: Oh, my God. And, of course. And
1: then, like, how don't I you get discouraged? Like <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean,
0: for sure. I I just think that, I mean, I, I have to say that in some ways, I think I have it easy because I work with some really interesting people yeah. who um, present me with fantastic ideas and I'm just there to Um, promote and support them. And, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't even really refer to myself as a curator, because Mm. I think that for the most part, the um, artists are bringing so much to the table that I'm just kind of facilitating sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, I do really enjoy organizing group shows, and I do put a lot of energy into them. And I do kind of think a lot about how the work is going to interact, how different works are going to interact with each other. So, I suppose in some ways that is um, curating. but I definitely um, I definitely have made many mistakes and will continue to do so. But I think my strategy has been to kind of stay small, you know and and if I'm gonna curate, it's not something that you know commercial, ultimately it's a private gallery, it's a commercial space we're you know selling art. So curating is not at the forefront. It's something that I do because I enjoy it and because I have the opportunity to do so. But what I do is I kind of set myself these parameters that are based on the kind of space that I'm, you know, running. So... I can't get too, you know, I can't get in too much trouble. Of course, of course. No, no,
1: no, I understand. And you know? And, it's, yeah, yeah, it's funny because you kind of, like, answered two of my questions that I had for you. One, <laughs> one of them was, like, you know, organizing the show uh, involves a lot of desk time, right? Like, yeah. a lot of emailing, a lot of phone calls and all that. Yeah. But there's also the other side, which is yeah. the creative work. How much of each of them do you enjoy?
0: Um, I enjoy both of them Uh quite a bit. I would say that the creative part, um, it happens. um, It doesn't occupy a lot of time each day, let's say. Um, It's kind of something that I get to do on the side. So any show that I'm working towards or any artist that I want to work with, anyone that I'm kind of courting and looking at and watching, um, that to me I I consider kind of my my creative outlet because I'm really just... um, I don't know, observing yeah. observing their practice and waiting to see if it fits or not. And that might sound kind of business-like, but there is something, I think, creative in that because it's about figuring out whether or not they fit into the long-term vision mm-hmm. or if they fit into a particular group show that I'm working on. So I would say that that stuff kind of happens all the time. I kind of always have a few um, threads that are kind of just... Just growing or, you know, that are that are that I'm always working on. And so it's hard for me to say that, you know, oh, I have this heavy creation side because it's just stuff that's happening on the side, but I I take great pleasure in it, even though it kills me in the same way that I think artists are um, it's you know, it's difficult because when you're trying to do anything creative, you have these tremendous ups and these horrible downs. Definitely. Yeah, and that part is is that part I feel when I'm working on these sideline, you know, um, well they're not sideline because they're they're right into the gallery, but I just always feel like they're kind of. Brewing, they're always simmering on the side until they become real, and that's where I experience those crazy creative highs and lows. And I really cherish that, even the lows, because the lows are like, I don't know, when something doesn't work out with an artist that I've been communicating with for a while or whatever, it kind of really pushes me to work even harder. Right. Um, so back to your question: How uh. much of the creative uh, and how much of the business do I enjoy? I mean, I love that simmering creative pot always, you know? Of course. Um, But I'd say it doesn't get that... I mean, it gets... Less of my attention, yeah. than
1: right? So you're more the, and more focused on the other side. The day
0: to day, yeah. I mean, just by nature of yeah. being kind of busy, and and I think by the by nature of of the creative pot working sometimes, yeah. that means that you know all the other burners with the business stuff on them need to be tended to. So I don't know why I'm making allusions to stoves, <laughs> but but. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, there's a lot of cooking happening. Right,
1: right. <laughs> I, w- I was just talking about this with my friend. I was asking him, how do you think that you can create sort of like database of art cells in like a micro scale? For instance, in Montreal, mm-hmm. do you think that is possible at all? Like to know who buys what? Mm-hmm. Just to sort of like follow how the market does, you know, in terms of like economical terms. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because it's easy to do that in a macro scale, right? Like in a global scale. Sure. If you look at the numbers of Sotheby's or, or what is it, Christie's and and all that. So like you can have an idea where the money is coming from, like how expensive things are and all that. But in a micro scale, I think that is super hard. Yeah. In terms of pricing work, Mm -hmm. do you look at all those historical data and then like you decide how to do it Mm -hmm. or is like case by case?
0: It's kind of case by case. When you say all that historical data, do you mean like...
1: Like from the gallery, the, 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 the sales that you've done Oh, before? yeah, 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 for yeah. sure.
0: You yeah. definitely look at like where an artist was, uh-huh. what things they have accomplished um, since, you know, mm. if they were at a certain price point and then it's been a couple of years and there was a acquisition, few acquisitions by really important institutions, uh-huh. then at that point you might be like, okay, I think it's time for a hike. And then you kind of base that hike on what they've done in the CV and then... Um, it kind of makes sense, too, because you look around at other people in the same market, like in, let's say, the Canadian market, that are at a similar place, and you kind of try to correlate the prices based on that. Um, that
1: that's exactly what I was getting so to. So, like, you do do some sort of, like, a comparison y- with, do. like, other...
0: Yeah, the thing is, uh-huh. is that you don't always have access. Yeah. It's access, actually. Yeah, that's what you're that's, talking that's, about. That's exactly and it. access is really hard to gain because people are extremely confidential so. about the pricing of artwork. Um, they don't like to reveal... Like, I'm sure you experience this. You walk into a gallery, there's a list of works, but there's no prices. You know, you have to ask. Sometimes they'll give it to you. Sometimes they won't. Uh, I've never
1: really asked. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It can <laughs> be it can be really intimidating. intimidating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's really, I would say there is indeed not a lot of transparency in yeah. the art market.
1: Uh-huh. Um, so it's pretty hard to, like, think of a, sort of like a database created.
0: Yeah, yeah creating a that. database, I think people would be really reluctant to share their information. Yeah, they would be, you know, Um, I it's I mean, as a gallerist, in a way, I can kind of ask sometimes other gallerists or I do sometimes, um, you know, assist people with other acquisitions. So I have access to pricing from other galleries. So I kind of know who's selling at what. Um, But auctions, like, for example, there are auction houses in Canada, Mm -hmm. but those We just do not have the same auction market as the United States. Um, And those auction prices are really not reliable because Uh something that's worth a lot more may go for a very low price or not sell at all. And you can't base your pricing for an artist off of that at all.
1: Yeah. So I guess what is different between the States and here is that it's kind of like global in the States. Like, it's not only the States, right? I mean, like, if you see, if you follow one of those. auctions, mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's people from Russia calling or for like, sure. you know, and, and then I don't know how that works in Canada. I've never seen it. It doesn't. No. There it's is like, no. It's very, it's very local. It's yeah? super local. Yeah. yeah uh, so what, what I'm saying is that it's pretty hard probably for anybody to get into this kind of like market. Yeah. This is a market, right? Yeah. I mean, like if somebody is going to buy and you're going to sell, there's something happening there yeah. that yeah. is pretty interesting as a phenomena. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so... Are you interested in those trends of, like, you know, the art market and, like, how it's moving? And, like, do you ever think of, like, okay, so who's buying art? And, mm-hmm. and, and who could buy art mm-hmm. to, like, open a little bit of another kind of, like, market, right? Yeah, yeah. Is, is that any time in your mind
0: I definitely used to think about that all the time. Yeah, like how come the market isn't bigger? Mm-hmm. How come we're not getting more collectors? Mm-hmm. Where is this new burgeoning hedge fund? Like it was so funny. In before two thousand and eight, you could hear all the time about like hedge fund, you know, guys in New York buying artwork like crazy, you know. And it was always this story of the young you know investor who would start buying yeah yeah, yeah, young broker who would start buying like young artists and then inflate their prices and then of course it was just like a you know in the end it was kind of a disaster because all of their prices got inflated so much and then now a lot of those artists careers are kind of you know bruised
1: but you think, least. yeah, yeah.
0: But I would, I would read that stuff, and I would think about that, and I'd be like, well, how? Where are all the, you know, young investors in Canada? Yeah. <laughs> sort
1: of like, where are all know, of the think, 25 of them? Yeah, where are you? exactly. <laughs> where
0: are you? You 25 guys yeah. who apparently, you know, want to yeah. blow up these prices? But yeah. It, yeah, so I would, I would think about it um, frequently, and then it just became just so clear yeah. that there are way fewer people in Canada. Yeah,
1: that's it, that's <laughs> like, it. I mean, that's, like, like statistically, like, it's just, yeah. Just
0: way fewer. Yeah, and yeah. so the pool is inevitably smaller. And even if art becomes, contemporary art becomes more, let's say, trendy or more interesting to a broader public, no matter what, that broader public is still significantly smaller than the broadened public in the United, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um so I, I would say that I think I, in some ways I had to stop thinking about that okay. because it's just too frustrating to kind of try and imagine these people who should, oh, they should want to buy art. You know, where are these people? Um, I do, I mean, I do th- still think about it because I'm, you know, consider myself kind of a business person. So I have to think about, you know, okay, who, who are the new clients? I, and I do often exactly. think about you kind of think about like what happens when I what happens when I my client base kind of gets too old or like I run out of you know or or is not interested anymore like who's going to
1: fill those shoes Um, if you think of the generation before us mm -hmm. like parents and and even before that mm-hmm. like what they consider art or like you know the grandmasters and mm-hmm. like Picasso and all these things mm-hmm. that like are and I wonder like how that relates to what is happening in this generation now the millennials are getting to a point where they can probably buy mm-hmm. some things mm-hmm. uh, I wonder if it relates to that and it's really hard for you to find any information on that and I mean Montreal is a small city yeah to like think of it as a Whole. Yeah. But there must be some sort of like trends that you can see, no? At least just in the gallery. Yeah. Is that true or no?
0: I mean, I think what would be interesting is probably to talk to gallerists like uh, Rene Bruin, who has been around for 25 years. Actually, I think maybe 27 years now. Um, and he's probably really seen a lot of shifts and changes. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about him, too, is that he's got his clientele. And I'm not sure if they've shifted that much. Yeah. I think they've, like, grown with him. And in a way, when that gallery ceases to exist or or is passed on or whatever happens, it'll be interesting to see what, like, what, what, what happens in a space like that. Because I think everybody's kind of grown together. And then what happens when it's just, you know, oh, okay, it's yeah. completely changed or... No
1: longer exists, but it's true. I guess I guess you're totally right that in saying that the market is being made, yeah, sort of like at the moment, at like the, it's the, like well, evolving. It's with evolving,
0: it. I, and it's evolving kind of um, slowly, like you know, because it, you couldn't really, you couldn't really, I couldn't make any statements about no, the past definitely. 10 years because it's yeah. only 10 years yeah. I can make statements about oh yeah there was like a really bad economic crash in 2008 that affected all kinds of things so that yeah. you know obviously that our world suffered a bit but I can't really
1: but I mean even just like how old this person London? like 11 years yeah yeah so it's 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 that <laughs> it's sort of like that period it's of time. sort of so, that yeah. yeah yeah I understand.
0: And, yeah and it's just hard to of course yeah it's of hard course. to kind of I don't know. That's why I think it's really important to be um, very visible and like, you know, use new use all these um, new um, modes of promotion that we have, you know, obviously, because, yeah, social media, Mm -hmm. you know, websites like Artsy, um, whatever, our own website, just lots of I think it is important to do all this kind of outreach stuff, because as much as it feels like it isn't resulting in this whole new client base i think in the long run it does and you just can't pretend it doesn't exist you have to kind of constantly be yeah um looking for new for sure because otherwise i just yeah i don't know what would happen
1: (laughs) do you guys sell online
0: um i mean what does that mean
1: Uh i mean i guess like the contact i guess like the first contact coming from like an online based platform say
0: well the thing is, is I, I, the reason I ask what does it mean is yeah. that, you know, I get emails all the time saying, oh, hey, I'm interested in this artist. Like, I don't know where they found, you know, did, did they see right. it on my website? Did of they course. see it on Artsy? Did they see it on Artsy as like an online platform for buying yeah. and buying yeah. and selling art? But, anyway, the point is, is that I almost think that a lot, like, that it's defining what that means because I actually think probably a lot of sales come through online, Ah. But I don't know yeah. where exactly they started. You know, is it that somebody saw something on Instagram? Yeah. You know, is somebody saw something on our website? Somebody saw something on Facebook? Why am I getting this email, you know, randomly? And then uh, and then whatever, the conversation can go on. And sometimes I'll ask, and sometimes I don't. So I don't, you know, I don't of even course. know sometimes.
1: So, yeah, okay. So there's no way for you to know exactly. Where did the first contact start?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could,
1: you know, you really push you them grasp? to but tell. But know. but
0: at, but yeah. at a certain point too, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. F- you don't want them to feel like you're interrogating them too. You know, like whatever they're interested in something for whatever reason. Yeah, they came across it and they're emailing, and then it might turn into a sale. You know, so I think that question is an interesting one because honestly, that's probably like most of the time, w- often what happens. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: And, and what about, like, is, is it, like, local people, like, from Montreal?
0: No, not always. No. I mean, it depends. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, I really think that the way that the world, I mean, not just the art world, I do believe that, you know, we can have pretty national reach, if not international reach. So I do get a lot of inquiries that are not from Montreal-based people, uh-huh. and they may have just seen the work, um in any number of ways. They may have also seen it live in, like, you know, a show that was um, where we lent work to a show in another gallery or when we do an art fair or something. So, um, anyway, just to go back to your question, no, I would say that inquiries do come from kind of all over. Not as many as I would like to see from the United States and internationally yet, but still some. So that's
1: good. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. 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 That bleeds into something else that I'm super interested. Like, Mm -hmm. why people collect, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what are the motivations
0: that
1: that you've seen? (laughs) (laughs) Is that hard?
0: Oh, man. Um, Why do people collect? That's a tough question to answer. I think there are many reasons. I think some people really enjoy, purely, truly enjoy being surrounded by things that they can talk to, you know, talk to, I mean, I'm saying maybe they don't talk out loud, but that they can, you know, communicate with in their own way on a day-to-day basis and be surrounded with. I think that some people really get a lot from that. And I, I understand that. I, I, I understand what it's like to kind of, I don't know, come into an office every day and see a work of art that you really feel so much for, you know, or wake up every morning and, you know, walk down the hallway and see something that you really love. And that really makes you kind of feel alive in this kind of cheesy-sounding way. So I think some people collect for that real reason. I think other people collect because they want um, the status of being able to call themselves a collector. And. Um, there are so many people who don't care at all about that status. So it's funny that that status even exists. Like, it's weird because it's so niche, right? It's like, well, most most of your friends don't even really care because they don't think it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, for whatever reason, do. And you believe that it's an important um, status symbol. And that's why you collect. and yeah. And, and then some people collect because they want to make money, and they mm. buy art because they believe that it's an investment um, and that they'll resell, you know, for a higher value. I mean, that, I think, happens a little bit less in Canada, but it still happens. And, and then I would say that some people have a combination of all those things. Right. Like, you know, they're, they're totally digging the art. They love living with it. They like the status factor cool who you know it's fun that's great and then they also um what was the other thing i said
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so status uh, oh, yeah, they investment. like being uh, investment uh, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. so they
0: like being around the work they like <laughs> the status and they like the investment um part you know i think and i think that's fair like of course you can you know and i think also i mean I was sort of forgetting about the artist who is like the super important figure in all of this is that they also like kind of having this relationship with someone who creates, you know? Totally. And I, I mean, I can, I sympathize with that because I totally can't make stuff. And I love people who can because I just have so much appreciation for that. I want to be like
1: totally honest with you. Like (laughs) one of the reasons why I started this project was to like be able to actually be close to all these people, like you, you know, and like all like, because it's super fascinating.
0: It's it, it's very it's, enriching. It is. It, it really enriches yeah. my life. And it, it feels, honestly, I feel spoiled because I feel like, wow, I get to do something that I f- also happen to really, like, think is just amazing for my brain and my soul and, you know, whatever. Right. So it's kind of cool that my job happens to correspond to something that I think makes me... Um, I don't know, not not doesn't make me necessarily a better person, but allows me to live a life that like I feel really fulfilled, you know,
1: yeah, that's great, yeah. I think that has like a really strong effect on yeah. whatever decisions you make, yeah, and now yeah. if you can, I don't know, it's gonna sound weird, but if you can buy that, yeah, you do it,
0: yeah, but is that what it is is would, that, are know. collectors Obviously buying the feeling are they are they like, I don't know, buying the feeling of being Engaged, maybe. Maybe
1: in your super an important part of the art world. If you buy, yeah, like, it is very important. Oh that you yeah, exist, totally, totally. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you're, and you're, so like I think I think that if you feel like you're actually supporting something that you love, yeah, you'll do it. You know, more. True. Often. True. I, yeah. um, I don't know. I mean. Uh, again, like, this was my way to, like, get in yeah. without actually having to, <laughs> because I can't, I can't yet, you know?
0: <laughs> same. <laughs> so, like, yeah, this is my exactly. way to get in without Great. having to buy. Great. Exactly.
1: So we're, like, in the same page. Yes. <laughs> no, but it was funny, because there was a vernissage at, uh, at Parisian Laundry, actually. Yeah. And there was a young guy. Uh, and he was talking to you i guess or something and then i was talking to you yeah. and then he came up to me and he was like so you're a collector as well oh funny you know it's it's a thing also i think it's a it's a player it's like a you're a player, it's an in, player yeah you're an the, important, important
0: player and and you you certainly i mean you definitely feel important um but i just i don't know sometimes like what like why i don't know sometimes i have to think about that you know what what kind of importance is it is it important? do you feel important because you're feeling nourished by these wonderful things that you get to acquire, or do you feel important because people pay attention to you?
1: you know it's of like course. I mean like if if somebody in any way makes you feel important or anything,
0: yeah,
1: I think people can pretty much like that a lot yeah true. and and get like intoxicated,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and I don't blame them, yeah, I mean you know. I don't know. I mean, I guess like this is, these are not conversations that you have with your collectors. Like, what do you collect? Yeah, exactly. I I guess it's pretty tough to like really say. Yeah. But are there any collectors that that they just keep the work, like sort of like, I guess as an investment, you know, Mm -hmm. like they they would put it in a place that is safe and that is like, yeah, or like most of them, they want to show it and and to actually use it. it.
0: Yeah, no, there are definitely collectors who. I mean they just can't anymore cuz ah. they have too much stuff. Oh, I see. Yeah. So yeah, they definitely and it, it becomes actually it's interesting to watch when that happens. Cuz I've I've like sort of seen it happen a few times where the, the the scale is tipped, like they've just got too much and then they sort of they start they start sort of saying or giving you the impression that they're going to stop, like okay, I'm capped out, like I I have no space left. But then you realize that they are kind of addicted of because course. then they, you know, yeah. they like figure something out or they get a storage yeah. or whatever and then they keep buying. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're definitely people who do not live with all the work they have. And yeah. it's it's strange. It is strange because you think about it like, hmm, but I think in it, like, well, you know, well, then why have it? But I think in a way it can still be that nourishing thing because um, they know they have it and they can think about it. And very often with art, it's not about the immediate interaction with it it's about the ideas that are left in your head and so you can kind of know that you have this stuff that really um i don't know stimulates your mind you know and you don't necessarily need it to be in front of you so that's that's interesting too it's just like then that you know you know you've got it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is super it's kind of like an addiction yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Some, some artists told me this At some point, it's like, if you get into this stuff, it's going to get you. It's going to, like, really grab you. Yeah. And it's really hard to let go.
0: Yeah. I would say that, like, in what I find fascinating is that, indeed, I am still drawn to these things that I have around me. And I still find new and interesting things about them. And it's not as if every day I look at each thing and think, oh, wow, you know. No, it's just something that just throughout the course of my day, I know, I'm sure of it, it, like, does something to me. And you know what I realized? This is, like, totally sounding like religion or something, which is weird because I am, you know, not a religious person per se. But it's weird because it's like this thing where you kind of just know that something is you know, in you or guiding you or whatever. And in a way, I feel like being around art does that to me. It's oh, It's just totally. something that is, it's just there. I mean, it's a belief life.
1: system at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, it
0: is, in fact. It's you,
1: true. I mean, like, I think. Completely
0: I, nailed it. Like,
1: because, I mean, otherwise, you know, uh, if you think in a sort of like utilitarian way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you can't.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So if you if you think that way, then you'd say like, why do we need this, mm-hmm. right? Which is always a question that it's a valid question that people that have nothing to do with the art world ask. Yeah, sure. It's like, how are you gonna feed your kid yeah. with painting? You know. Exactly. And and I understand that. Yeah. From a that kind of like framework, I understand that that's a valid question. But at the same time, when you feel what it feels like, you know, being involved. Mm -hmm. And as you said, like, when you feel like something is happening in you, that it makes you feel things and, like, work in a better way. And, like, it makes you feel like you can go and do more things if you are around this, you know, object and, like, around these people and all that. It's totally valid. Like, I mean, everybody does that. Yeah. And I don't know. It it gets super philosophical really fast. Yeah. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. It is very religion-like.
0: It is. It's, yeah. And I love that you said belief system, because that is so true. I mean, it in in a way, we all kind of, anyone who's sort of part of this system kind of relies upon each other in a weird way, or relies upon some kind of inherent, like, truth that we can't really identify to kind of continue to be, to, to continue to, to, to push forward the system, you know? Right. But it's, it's not, there's, there's nothing really super concrete about it. It's kind of just in our own collective psyche. Yeah. And I think that that is interesting in and of itself. Right. And I think that it doesn't do any harm, and usually it makes people have maybe a broader field of perception, you know? Maybe not. Maybe not always. But I do believe that art has the capacity to make people... Think uh, and behave differently sometimes or with more feelers, you know? Like you have so many more kind of things that you're potentially aware of or, yeah, looking out for.
1: Um, I couldn't agree more with you because that's what I really believe. But uh, I'm going to sort of like play here a little bit of like a devil's advocate. Yeah, go for it. And say that, again, who is... The society ethos that can actually be involved with
0: art—it's
1: mm-hmm. most likely the same kind of like upper class, right? Like yeah. it's what I'm saying is it's always privileged totally. positions yeah. that get to open their minds like that. And and I'm I keep wondering if if that is possible in a different kind of level, you know, in a way that if this can be brought to everybody in that kind of, like, philosophical way, you know what I mean? In in, in the sense that, of course, that you kind of need to be privileged to think about these things, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you would be thinking about, what am I going to eat tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I wonder if there's a way. I wonder if there's a way that this can, like, finally break out of just that centralized system.
0: But don't you think that there are so many kind of art-like experiences that exist in the world and they just exist in different ways mm-hmm. and that people in general can choose to experience them or not. I Okay, I agree that the art world is, like, super elitist and there is this kind of class distinction and whatnot, but I also think that there's a lot of art that is around us all the time that is sort of free and available and I think that a lot of people do feel enriched by, I don't know, this public sculpture that they pass every day, or the mural, graffiti mural, or something that maybe maybe I'm not super interested in those things because I I'm I get to see a whole bunch of stuff all the time, so I kind of like I I take that stuff for granted maybe mm. in a way. But I think that there are plenty of people who really enjoy those things. And they do get kind of this heightened f- experience or feeling out of them. So I, I would, I mean, if you're, I, I, because I think you're saying like, you know, what, how could we democratize in a way a little, the yeah, art world? Yeah, you know, yeah. I just, I, I actually just don't know if it could be democratized in in the way that it is now because I don't think that it would be the same thing anymore. Yeah. And I think that there there is quite a lot of art that is accessible and that it's there if you want it. You just have to want it. Yes. And I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how to make people want it. That's that, something that I can't. That makes total sense. Yeah. But I, I mean, because I, some people just, they don't, they're don't, they just not interested, you know, in the same way that I'm not interested in, like, professional wrestling or you something. You know what? I, like, yeah, I'm just not.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I when you were just saying that, I, I, I sort of like was thinking of music. Right. Poetry books. Right. And it's a very different way to think about it because then it doesn't become a problem that this specific kind of art is not getting to different places. Uh, I guess it's not a problem. It's just a circumstance.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Is that, is that, that makes sense?
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I guess, I guess what I mean is like not everybody can like everything. And there are plenty of art forms that I may not be quite as interested in and um, as as I am in visual arts so you know maybe maybe that's what it is like Mm -hmm. everyone kind of has their own thing that they're interested in what I do think is important is that I I really hope that people know that even though galleries have these kind of weird snobby personas like I I love you know people need to go to galleries if they're interested and that's the best, most amazing thing about galleries is that it's really funny. People talk about them being snobby and hierarchical and whatnot, but, like, you can walk into it. As long as the gallery's open, anybody can walk in, like, no problem. You might, you know, you, you, you might not get, like, all of the information that you're looking for yeah. in one shot, but you do a couple of galleries, you figure out who's doing what, you figure out what you like, yeah. you come back. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so many people that, I mean... I feel like I know them because I've seen them for so many years coming in and out of the gallery. But I don't know them as a collector. I don't really know that much about them. I just know that they're interested and they always come in. And it's great because I know that they're enjoying it and that I'm not just doing it for, you know, a small niche of collectors. So, yeah, I would say it would be cool, of course, if more and more people were um you know, visiting the gallery on a regular basis, or what have you. But ultimately, I can't expect to please everybody or be interesting to everybody. I mean, that would be impossible. I so that's a
1: super good answer. <laughs> like, honestly, I couldn't even like figure it out myself. It, it may be self-reflection. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, in, in terms of okay, so like, how do I? do? But no, I mean, yeah, it's exactly what you said. Like, you deal with your own resources and yeah. whatever you have to your reach, and then you do that.
0: Yeah. I totally see that. There are so many things that, like, I mean, I wish I could say that I liked all forms of music, but you know what? I don't love country music or, you know, maybe all heavy metal, so maybe I'm not going to go to those concerts, (laughs) you know, as much, and that's fine because there's a whole bunch of other music that I like. Or, you know, it's. I think... I really stopped thinking that I could even begin yeah. to appeal to everybody because there's just it's how could you?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a very important realization I yeah. guess in this line of work. Yeah. That, and then I guess mostly if you're a commercial gallery, that you need to find your market.
0: Yeah, totally. And,
1: and then you talk to them. Yeah. And that's it.
0: Yeah. And then within, and then, and then, but back to a lot of the other stuff that we were talking about that within you what you've found to be your market you have to take some responsibility for making sure it continue that it grows you know mm-hmm. and so you have to kind of like um what's the word i'm looking for not nourish, nourish but like um well, yeah, I mean, I guess nourish the the collectors that are already that you formed that are part of that market and then make sure they kind of pass it along to like-minded people or whatever. That's that's my responsibility within what I'm doing, but I couldn't possibly imagine having the responsibility of getting, you know, like everybody and their dog on board because some yeah. people just aren't interested.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, let's get into other stuff. Okay. You finish your it was a BFA it was a uh, I
0: never remember if it's part of the fine arts program or not. It's uh-huh. a B it's a BA or maybe it's a BFA, okay. Bachelor of Fine Arts or a BA, Bachelor of Arts. I don't remember. No, I think art history was indeed in the fine arts department at Concordia. Yeah. And so yeah, I finished my BFA in art history. No right. no studio, no 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 no. No. Just no art making. history. Yeah, just art history.
1: And and then ride right out of school. You yeah. decide to start your own project.
0: Yeah, cu- well, kind of. I mean, of course, like six months goes by and I'm just like waitressing going, oh, what am I going to do? You know, I want to do... What are you do, waitress? <laughs> I, I, oh, was such a good Mexican restaurant. doesn't oh, exist yeah. anymore. Yeah, super good. In the gay village, it was awesome. I loved my job. But um, I didn't want to, you know, I, did, I was like, okay, well, you yeah. know, I want to do something um, that I want to do. And uh, yeah, I think I just got... It's funny, it didn't take me long to get restless. I think literally like six months went by and I decided that I should do these business classes um, and learn how to write a business plan. And so I did that and then I managed to actually, I couldn't believe that I got loans. I got two loans, one from this Canadian Youth Business Fund for entrepreneurs and then another one for like women. Um, It was called Young Women Entrepreneurs Sure. Organization, whatever. they Both of them give out loans that have sort of favorable in, interest rates to young people who want to start a business. And, yeah, and then I just decided to open this gallery.
1: Okay, wait, wait. Let's, let's just, like, <laughs> like, how much money do you need to open a gallery? Oh,
0: I mean, a lot. I mean, I think I, I got $50,000 in loans. Right.
1: And from, bo- from both.
0: From both yeah. Together, yeah. together, yeah. And... Um, and that was not enough. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I mean, it's not though, because I guess. The thing is, okay, there, oh, I could like there are so many mistakes that I made and so many things that I learned, but um, essentially, what you kind of need to be prepared for is like, OK, actually, if you, what you need to be prepared for if you're, if you're me, you know, 10 years ago, is that um, you, if you don't have any network whatsoever. And you have, like, n- you're not even from Montreal. You don't have, like, parents who are involved in the art world. You don't have, like, a super wealthy family. You don't have anything like that. And you have no personal network of artists, collectors, etc. You basically need to be prepared for, like, three years where you're going to be selling almost nothing and just kind of making a name for yourself. And so that was what I hadn't really <laughs> <laughs> figured out. <laughs> So it was like. But I mean, like,
1: how could have you?
0: Well, I could have known or thought about the fact that it was going to be, you know, really hard to penetrate this super niche market, not like hardly even knowing anyone. Like, I didn't even have friends who were in the art world. My friends were, like, I, you know, in okay, working in different okay, okay, fields. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm talking, like, nothing. Yeah. I mean, I had some people that I went to school with, but this is, like, nothing. So, you know, it was just a matter of, like, calling people and sending invitations and trying to see if anyone would show up and and trying to get in the uh, in the newspaper. Like, there was the local thing that was uh, called The Mirror. It doesn't exist uh-huh. anymore, but it was kind of like Voile. It was like a newspaper that went out every week. And just always trying to, like, get some coverage and those things and just kind of build um, a name for myself. But I didn't know that I was going to be, like, really not making a, almost any sales for a while. And that was really hard cuz i was i had taken out like the the rent on the space that i had taken out was way too much compared to you know yes. what i could actually bring in and anyway it was just it was just a series of mistakes <laughs> <laughs> but in a way it was like the best that failure i mean failing is like probably one of the best things that can happen
1: i think
0: so um And I think failure was the best thing that could have happened to me because it forced me to learn so much. And it forced me to be – I was, like, so – I was sort of stubborn in a way about, like, uh, oh, no, this is going to work. Like, it's all going to work. I've, you know, I've done the math and I've read the books about the art market and, you know. But I wasn't thinking about the fact that all those books I'd read about the art market were, like, based in New York and London and Paris and, you know, like, in certain times and certain – it's kind of had these momentum behind them and whatever, so it was, it was just so funny to kind of try and apply what I thought I had as knowledge, and that was so it was so naive in a way. And I mean, I sort of I think it's, when I think about it, I think like oh, it's kind of cute, like. But but the, the tragedy was that it was so hard to recover. It was just recovering from the you know financial mistakes was just brutal. I mean. It, I was, when I closed, it was just sad too because I was sort of letting down these people who had confidence in me, you know? It's so much to go to an artist and say, Would you be willing to like have me work with you and try and kind of promote the things you do because I think they're interesting. And then to have to go and tell them, like, I failed, you know? I failed you. Like, I have to shut the doors. So
1: it's not only really like a f- personal failure.
0: It's a failure towards others, and you just feel, like, really bad about it. And it killed me. It just killed me. It was just so—I think in retrospect I realized that I kind of went into a really kind of bad place. Like, I was really lucky because I got to go work immediately Mm -hmm. for Parisian Laundry, and that's where I am now. And I've felt so lucky and grateful for that you know like that was incredible it saved me from probably being extremely like really down i mean i was down but yeah. it it saved me from maybe you know going even deeper of down course, not in there. um because i got to just be busy and i got to work you know just and not think about things too much but yeah it took me it took me a long time to get out of that kind of rut and to sort of build up a bit of self esteem again or like kind of you know like that confidence to sort of be someone in in the career path that I had chosen so yeah it was a crazy experience but it taught me so much yeah
1: how long do you have it for
0: I only had it for three years
1: three years
0: three years that's it and then it took me honestly like a good four years to recover to pay back um the loans to kind of I was I like I was working at Parisian Laundry I was working The weekends at a restaurant, I was like, I was just my whole life was about recovering from that experience. And again, very kind of enriching in some ways because you learn so much from like the cause and effect, you know, like it's, yeah. Yeah. Is
1: there there one thing that you can think of that could have sort of like switch a little bit how things happened in terms of, for instance, like if you had a mentor, if you would have talked to... I don't know, somebody from a commercial gallery and yeah. say like and tell you, listen, and this is no easy yeah. path, yeah. you know? Is there anything like that that you can think of?
0: I think it would have helped me. I did go and speak to some people before I started, and I think, again, I was sort of stubborn, like in a way where I they would tell me things and I would listen with open ears, and I was really grateful, actually, for some of the people who would talk to me about what it was like to have a gallery. Um, but I... Um, I don't think I really would allow myself to absorb that information and use it, and that's that's a regret. Like, I should have been like, wait a minute, if all of these people are—well, te- there weren't that many people, but if people are telling me this, then maybe I should really kind of change, you know, change some of the plans here. And then I think that, yeah, one of the biggest mistakes was definitely getting a space that was way – my overhead was way too high. Mm -hmm. And I look Mm -hmm. at so many people who are doing such cool things nowadays with, like, pretty low-key spaces, projects, whatever, spaces in their homes, et cetera. And they're doing stuff that gets their name out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really smart way to proceed, you know, because then you can work off of that after and you don't have to go through the trauma of, like, you know – almost going bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was another thing that I wanted to ask you is like curators are graduating, you know, by the minute. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's ever been as popular. Right. And there's a lot of people looking into, you know, this kind of like line of work and yeah. all that What do you tell them? Oh gosh. Don't rent a space.
0: Don't rent a space. Don't just don't get yourself into too don't get yourself into too much trouble like financially. And try and do as many things that you can in the spaces and places and um, opportunities that already exist. Because there are a lot of those. You know, there are a lot of people who are always interested in, in doing things. And you can kind of band together with those people and either use spaces that they've already created or collaborate with um, a gallery that already exists, you know. Um, there are lots of... Of ways to do it without jumping in. I mean, I think it's great if you really want to go for it. But, make you know, and if you don't have, like, a good three years of financial backing, I wouldn't do it. And if you don't have that, then do it in all kinds of other ways. Like, go talk to everybody and see if someone will give you a little, I don't know, something. And then take it from there. Yeah, Yeah, or do your own projects in your own space, you know? Do... Do whatever you can do. Just keep doing. But right. don't don't get yourself into, like, a financial problem.
1: That seems to be always a problem <laughs> yeah. with everything, making money. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, that's great advice. I
0: mean, yeah. the problem is that you have to make a living and you have to, you know, you have to eat. Mm-hmm. So I just think that, you know, if it requires working a job you're maybe less interested in so that you can get by and then doing this project on the side hopefully you can build up a name for yourself and then you can start you know doing it mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. full mm-hmm. time full time and actually making a living
1: yeah yeah that's smart <laughs> it's smart it's not very exciting <laughs> no but i think i mean it's you know that's what they say that's what they tell you to uh, fail fast yeah like you're going to fail if you really want to try things yeah you will fail because that's part of it but try to do it as fast as you can and probably like <laughs> limitating your can like Losses. Right?
0: Yeah, don't just don't do too much long term damage. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess, I guess, but then you you bounce back super. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that it's like actually bouncing back. It's just like learning, yeah. and then like taking that, and then bringing to the to the other side. Totally. And I mean,
0: all the things that happen in you know one's life are things that you carry around in your pocket, and you never kind of lose those things because they. I don't know they have an effect on everything you know so they're they're re- pretty valuable experiences, whether good or bad, at the time that they're happening, you know? <laughs> so
1: uh, Yeah, I guess, like, putting labels right away, it's kind of, like, dangerous because yeah. then you realize that it was, like, a blessing in disguise, right? Yeah, like, I mean, exactly. At the end, I mean, I guess, like, a super rough one.
0: Yeah, I would say maybe not a but, blessing, yeah, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, 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 I but get it. It's, like, it's, there, is, there is there is good that comes out of those yeah. uh, experiences and those situations, for sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> nobody in your family was an artist, like, nobody? No,
0: yeah, it's weird. There's like no, my family. I don't, I honestly, it was like kind of a strange thing to want to do. But when I think back on it, the only thing that was clear was that I knew I had this kind of entrepreneurial drive. Um, I told you that story about, like, the when I was a kid, I just desperately wanted to have, like, a a table at the local craft fair because I wanted to sell things, but just because I thought it was so cool (laughs) that you could, like, stand at the table and sell stuff.
1: (laughs) That's super sweet. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I knew that, you know, that was kind of... I I know now, like, when I I think back about that, I I realize now, okay, I probably did always have this, like, little thing about, you know, uh, being a... I don't know, business person or something, but yeah. um, and nobody in my family really like in my di- my direct family. Um, I mean, my sister is still and was in a band for some years, mm-hmm. but like uh, you know, it's not as if my parents were. They they're just like- really open to art. Right. I mean, they're not really consumers of art. They're they're but they're very. Um, interested in many things in general. So I think that I grew up kind of having open eyes, open ears, you know, kind of being ready to accept a lot of different things. And maybe that, you know, helped. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. But,
1: yeah. yeah. But I, I guess, like, you get to the point where, like, it's it's your own decision. Like, yeah. uh, for instance, like, if you started to take this more seriously in universities, when, like, ideas really come and, like, yeah things change and, and and all that stuff. But it's always really great to meet somebody like that because most of the times when you meet artists, like, it's family of artists.
0: Right, right, Or, right. like,
1: somebody in your really young age discovered that you were painting or, like, that right. you were, like... But, you know, like, to discover it by yourself, it, it takes a little more of a, more effort.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, what's weird, too, is that in retrospect, I think, like, oh, why didn't I just do something, like, more like more standard you know but I I guess it, I don't know I just feel like there was some sort of natural course that just happened like things just ran they just it just went like once I decided that I enjoyed that art history uh, class that I had taken it just kind of became clear that that's what I would do yeah. but it's not as if I ever made this specific decision and then as I was taking those courses I became more interested in the market side of things and then you know one thing kind of led to another but it's, it's bizarre because it's certainly not a like normal, well, not not normal, but it's just not a typical path, you know? yeah. And then one thing just kind of, yeah, led to the other.
1: For sure. Yeah. And how do you think that your your degree in art history helps you? Well,
0: I don't know. I think... um, I think it allows me to maybe think and talk about art in maybe sometimes more elaborate terms. Um, I did go back. I should clarify. While I was running the gallery that I had, I did go back and do a master's degree. Right. Um, while I was going bankrupt, so <laughs> I <laughs> um, I didn't actually go bankrupt, but nearly. Um, so I was doing that. Um, I was I was doing that at the same time, and and it was because I felt that that would make me. Have an added asset, you know I thought that okay, having a master's degree will just you know as most people do it'll validate me more it'll it'll I'll have more knowledge right. it's you know yeah. it's important um and I think that today um what it does is probably i just think I have um some extra knowledge that maybe I didn't have in the past, some references to different um Theorists, whatever art historians that sometimes are relevant, sometimes not, but it just provided me with a stronger base, and I I, I believe I believe in that. I think it's important. You oh, know? totally. I don't always use it. I don't always think about it directly, but I think it's kind of there, and it 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 helps me to think about art or why certain things were relevant in certain times and how some of the work that I'm looking at nowadays could be written into history too. You I know?
1: Mean, totally. I mean, I think. Uh like knowledge in anything, it's the ability to really make those connections.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's just that. I mean like you have it.
0: You just have it. Yeah. It's just there. Yeah. And it's and it's you important. may not even
1: realize when you're using it, yeah. but you're probably using it all the time. Exactly. To really know, okay, so this comes from here or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean. it's
0: just it's just interesting too to be able to draw those links and, you know Yeah. And actually I think I think about it often about even continuing, you know, like I I don't necessarily have the desire to do a PhD, but I do sometimes think about how it is important to kind of update myself and make sure I'm still aware of what's going on, you know, in the field of art history.
1: Right. Even
0: though art history is kind of far, if you think about what I do on a day-to-day basis, the theoretical aspects of art history are kind of far away. Yeah. But they are... Still, It's still something that I kind of think about. And I like to think about, oh, what's going on in art history right. right now? Like, so I don't you, really know. Oh, I you see, know? I see. So you, I'm don't, not, you
1: don't get to really see that. Not word, really. I mean, I'm not word.
0: taking classes. I don't really know. I mean, I kind of know who's important in terms of um, who's being referenced, like what, what books are being read, you know, nowadays in art history classes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I should clarify that, like, it's the art history classes that are focused on contemporary art, like, less so. Because some of the art history classes that are about certain periods, they don't change necessarily that much, you know. So it's usually similar textbooks or what have you. But the the courses that focus on contemporary, I mean, they they have to stay contemporary, so they have to stay up to date. So it's interesting that, you know, that's something that I, you know, I think I need to spend more time. I think that would be a creative, something in the creative pot that's simmering that I would like to spend more time yeah. uh, on. Yeah.
1: How about the um, responsibility that you as a director of a commercial gallery as Paris Andre, which is you know, one of the more respected galleries in, in Montreal? Because of that, you have this, I guess it's like sheer power of, like, really changing the career of an artist. How do you feel about the responsibility?
0: I think it's a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think it's—I take it really seriously, and that's why I sort um, of—I don't know. I have my ways of kind of working with people, and I really like to, I don't know, spend some time getting to know the person, the work, the practice, before— uh, really, uh, identifying what the relationship will be, because I think it is so important, and I don't take it lightly at all. Like I think once you start representing an artist, it's a commitment, you know, and you can't you can't just back out of it, you know, or you shouldn't. I mean, people do. But you really ideally don't want to do that. So it's a very um, important, and you have to really reflect upon it to make sure that it's right. Because you don't want to mess it up for the artist, and you don't want to mess it up for the gallery. So I think it's super important. I think that that's why, like, talking about trends and certain artists that are kind of hot right now or what have you, it would be easy to get caught up in that sometimes um, if you were a dealer and kind of, like, want all the artists that are having their moment. And it's smart to do that in a certain way, but it's not if you're going to try and, like, take them all on at once and then what happens when it, you know, when it kind of fizzles out and then only, you know, some of them are still kind of going strong and the others have kind of lost their steam. You know, it's... um, I think about so many different factors when wanting to work with an artist, so, yeah. You get
1: to make predictions.
0: Yeah, I mean, you kind of want to think about what have they done in the past? Where are they right now? Who else is behind them? Because it's it's difficult to do as it on in, your own. As
1: in collectors?
0: Uh, collectors, are there, do they have another gallery? Another gallery. In another, I mean, ideally, we, we operate Canada-wide, um, but, like, you know, do they have another gallery in the U.S.? Do they have another gallery in Europe? Have they been in certain, have they had exposure in certain major institutions? You know, what, all of these things. And then if it's not that, it's really like, oh, my God, I think this artist is incredible. They're super young. They're not working with anyone. I want to be the one that, like, pushes them forward. And that's awesome. But that's rare.
1: And where's the risk?
0: And the risk is, well, the risk is high because then if you're the only one pushing them forward and it doesn't work, what happens to them? Like, it's tragic, yeah. you know? Yeah. Who
1: who is the youngest you guys have?
0: Are you gonna ask me a numbers question again? No, no numbers. Uh, no numbers.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, what I mean is like twenties.
0: No, it's like no no no, it's over thirty. No one's under thirty. Oh yeah. Yeah, no one's under thirty.
1: Really? Uh,
0: but I mean, that's still very young. Early thirties oh, yeah, is yeah, still
1: yeah, very yeah, young. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure. I'm trying to think right now who is who actually is the youngest person, but I think we're talking, like, 30, 33. 33. Okay, scientists. that's pretty young, yeah. That's young. Yeah. I mean, when you think about how when people... Oh, thank you. When people do, like, their master's degree and their undergrad degree, I mean, by the time they've done all that and maybe had some years to think about what they're doing in between, they're, you know, 30-ish or something. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that makes sense. And then what is the responsibility of the gallery with yeah. the artists that are in the roster?
0: What is the basic responsibility? Or
1: agreement, I guess.
0: I would say the agreement in its most basic form is that the gallery agrees to show the artist's work in an exhibition context at least every 18 to 24 months. And um, we'll sell the work and give the artist half of the sale and we'll, um, we'll promote the artist... As being a member, you know, as a as being an artist that's represented by the gallery. That's, like, the most basic. But what a gallery should really be doing is working for those artists all the time. So that's another reason why I think the responsibility is so heavy, um, is that you end up with a group of artists that you show every, you know, two years or so, but you also... Um, should be talking about them to curators that you meet that you think might be interested in their practice. You should be uh, talking about them to collectors who might be buying other work, but that you think might also be interested in, you know, any number of your artists. You should be visiting them to see what's going on, like seeing the work progress, talking about the work with them. Um, you should be providing them with, like, just administrative support if they have, you know, grants that they're writing and they need someone to review or they need, you know, I don't know, uh, updates to their CVs. Um, there are, like, so many things that, you know, I think a good gallery should do, and and it, it's it's a lot of Of work, but I think it's like what a gallery is supposed to be mm. doing in order to be doing a good job of representing an artist. so um, it's it's a tremendous responsibility because it's not about just the one shot every you know two years. It's like a f- kind of I, I, I try not to use the analogy of a family, but it's like um it's like
1: like a sports team
0: It's like a sports team. That is a good way to put it. It is like a sports team. And so you have to have special attention for each player and special attention knowing like what each player's weak spots are, you know, if they have, um, I don't know, certain things that you really have to take care of. Like it's just, you have to be really aware and there for them. Yeah. And some artists are slightly less, like there's certain periods in their life where maybe they're not doing a ton of shows and they're focused solely on another project, and maybe you're not, you know, super involved, and that's fine because they're not – they're not actually not really, like, working on things that you need to be involved in at that moment. But for the most part, you, yeah, you're kind of – you should kind of always be there. Or you hope – I always hope that that the artists I work with know that I'm there and that I want to do whatever they need, you know. Yeah. But,
1: <laughs> but there are limits, too, you know, to what we can do, so yeah. – that's that's what I was going to, yeah, how much is too much for the gallery to take in you know what I mean like yeah. is, is, is an artist ever like so much that you guys say like you know what like this is too much for us or that's never the case well, no,
0: I think that is I think that's the case um sometimes and 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 it's when artists um tend to have an assistant that they hire because they can't quite manage all of the stuff that's coming in on their end um and the gallery can only do so much because we don't always receive, you know, all the same things that they're getting directly. So I think, and I've had this experience happen where, you know, an artist is just too busy with the thing that they need to be busy with, which is making the work, which is like really what they're supposed to. I mean, in in effect, what you're supposed to be doing is essentially supporting the fact that they need to make their work, you know. So if things start to get in the way of that, then as a gallery, you can try and help as much as possible. But at a certain point, the artist will have to have someone who's either a studio manager or a studio assistant who comes in and kind of organizes their studio situation in a in a similar way to like a shop or whatever so that they're handling kind of a lot of the requests um, a lot of the, uh, like if an artist is using different production means, you know, they might be dealing with like someone who is casting bronze, another person who is doing, I don't know, something related to sound. Let's say if there's sound involved in the piece. So they need someone who can assist them with that. And the gallery can't necessarily do that because we can't have someone who's like on site with them mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But that that sounds like somebody would be like pretty... Uh that they can actually pay. For
0: yeah, like I mean they would and, be having exactly yeah, they like, would be having the success to be able to do that. And then if an artist is really demanding tremendous amounts of attention but isn't necessarily making um the sales like that come with or, that. Yeah, yeah. Then I mean, indeed, there's only like why do they need so much attention? I mean, they're not getting yeah. There aren't, like, a bunch of orders coming through, if just to put it in really, you know, layman's terms. But it, it would there would be a disconnect. It wouldn't necessarily make sense, you know?
1: Totally. Exactly. Yeah. But one, one of the last questions, because yeah. I don't want to keep you too long. What do you think of those projects that are popping up? Like I think around, they're yeah? great. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think they're really great. I think they're offering a lot of—I think the— programming like vidange is just killing it i mean the artists that Seriously. they bring in is awesome yeah. are awesome and i think it's really exciting um and i'm like so impressed too because i <laughs> i don't know i just think it's it's i always kind of have this thing where i'm like trying to figure out who could fit together and when and everything kind of becomes about like strategizing like when to contact them do i have to contact their gallery that represents them, you know, who, how am I going to do this? And I just feel like these spaces, they just like, boom, you know, they just show someone that's doing great stuff and it, it sort of feels really natural and wonderful and the way that it should be rather than kind of all this like, Oh, what do we, you know, yeah. h- how am I going to approach this? And, and I love that. And I really respect them for it. And I think that they offer so much to like the Montreal art public, you know, and it's really beautiful and it's very generous. It's very generous to run a project space like that. It's so, um, I mean, whatever. There might be motives and advantages for the people who are running it, of course. But ultimately, it's pretty damn cool that they, like, run a space that isn't profitable, really. I'm sure it's not. No, definitely. And they're, they take the time to be there, and they take the time to invite awesome people to show there. And that's just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I think it makes everyone better. Yeah. Like it makes the whole art scene in Montreal better, you right? Know?
1: Does that yeah. ever is like a little bit helpful for like a gallery like and Laundry to like at least see what's going on and like in in a sort of like a more easy way, instead yeah. of like visiting every single artist in like their studios, I guess or something. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's helpful and I think it's also refreshing, you know, because mm-hmm. then. Because I I have this thing that inevitably happens where, like, I end up seeing most of the art that I see, I see when I'm traveling for work, right? So it's so silly because, like, I could see a lot of art in Montreal, but I'm usually working the same hours as most art spaces, whatever. So I see a lot of it when I'm traveling for a fair or for a show that's opening or whatever. And it's, it's kind of ridiculous because I don't see a lot of stuff that's happening yeah. here but with those project spaces they tend to have like strange hours or whatever and so it's cool because you can go and see them and they are all. They often have like a really good online presence too so you can see them at least yeah. online and then I don't know it's just nice because it's like the it's just a different pulse you know they just operate faster and better than the structures of like contemporary galleries that kind of like I was saying before have to kind of strategize and program things within the existing program and make something happen, and it takes longer and whatever, whereas these project spaces is like, you know, woo, Done. there it is. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's yeah. so refreshing. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh,
1: That's cool. Yeah. So before we finish this conversation, um, one of the favorite parts of the podcast for some people is when my guests tell me a story. And um, I would be super thrilled if you have one for me, for us. <laughs>
0: Ooh. Um, That sounds great. Uh, I could think of a story. Um, So, yeah, so we talk a lot about the market, just given the nature of what I do and and some of our similar interests. Um, But what it all boils down to for me is really um, having a relationship with artists and art. And I think that that came to me... um, in a funny way because it was before I had even kind of defined or thought of the idea of doing an art history degree. So when I was about 19, I was traveling in Europe. I was kind of doing the classic backpacking thing that young people do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was in Vienna, and I was um, young, and and I walked into this contemporary art museum, um, and I saw this exhibition by an artist whose name is Henri Sala, And uh, a lot of the work, it was I think it was almost entirely video work. He does a lot of video work. In fact, he used to be a a documentary filmmaker. Mm. And I remember being totally captivated. And I knew nothing. You know, people often think and people often talk to me about the fact that they'll walk into a museum or um, a gallery and feel like they sort of need to come in with some sort of knowledge. In this case, I, I just walked in, you know, and it was so incredible the um, imagery that was before me uh, varied so there were some works that were very atmospheric there was one that I remember and forgive me because I haven't really revisited this work uh, since but there was one really large scale projection of a scene within a zoo and it was just sort of a slow pan where um, you saw some animals and you heard all the sounds of the zoo and it was kind of misty and there was just this really heavy sense of of um, atmospheric pressure, like literal atmospheric pressure, where you felt as if you were actually in that um, in that temperature zone, you know? Right. I just sort of felt this heaviness, this humidity or something. Right. And this was all just being evoked through this video work. And then I also remember vividly this other work where there were crustaceans, like crabs, running on a beach and the artist was chasing them with a flashlight and it was at, at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were sort of playing, like, I almost want to say it was sort of as if a soccer game or something was going on, but the crabs were running around. Anyway, it was... It was just it was just images that stayed in my mind for a long time, and then additionally, there was a much more documentary-oriented film that uh, was about the artist's specific situation of being growing up in uh, Tirana in Albania mm-hmm. and the political situation there, and his mother's involvement in a political party kind of conference at one point. It's a long story, but it just at the time it was just very interesting for me because i i got to learn a lot about a place that frankly i didn't really know anything about right. so um so i left the exhibition feeling like i had just gained all this knowledge mm-hmm. not only all this knowledge um from that documentary film but also this visual knowledge of kind of right. this these feelings this this imprint of something that was left on my mind yeah. so you know the weeks went on and I continued to do my backpacking thing through Europe and I was young and having fun (laughs) and it wasn't, you know, there was that, that was that. And, um, and then years passed and I, you know, was in Montreal. And at this point I, um, was working, uh, in the art world or I may still have been in my studies. Um, but, uh, Suddenly, I saw that at the Museum of Contemporary Art, there was an Henri Salah show that was going to open. And I thought, oh, my God, this is the guy that kind of, like, opened up all these doors for me. I didn't realize it at the time, but in a way, I felt like, okay, this was something, this was an important moment in Mm -hmm. my life. And so I went to the show, and I had this really... Intense feeling that I knew this person, that I knew him, that I had that it was like it was like a friend that um, was coming to visit, or someone I hadn't seen in a long time, or or like an old family member or something. Right. And it was, I mean, it was completely constructed in my mind that that this relationship existed, but it was just something. And I, I think you know, in a way, I'm, it's not maybe. To the point of being an old family member. But it is, it was as if there was something there that I felt I had um, a very strong relationship yeah. to. So yeah. I I really kind of enjoyed that feeling. And then and I was, I felt uh, not not pride, but like a sense of, oh. I know this. Familiarity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Familiarity. Uh Exactly. So it was familiar and it felt comforting that um, some sort of conversation that I had started with this work and through the work, the person maybe, the artist, was entering into another stage. You know, and and the conversation, I've never met him. You know, it's not,
1: (laughs) but I, (laughs) it's a conversation with the work. Yeah, conversation
0: with the work. And so that conversation continued when the work was shown in Montreal. And then a couple years later, he was selected to represent France at the Venice Biennial. Mm -hmm. And I I was able to go to that Biennial. And so the conversation went into another stage when I saw that exhibition, um, which was actually, in the interestingly, in the German pavilion, because that year France and Germany had decided to switch pavilions. Right. Anyway, that's just another right. layer of information. But it was it was so um, great, and I guess what I'm trying to say in this story is that my conversations with <laughs> this artist haven't stopped, and right. will probably continue. I hope yeah. you know, and I have those kinds of conversations with all kinds of artists yeah. now because um, I really feel that the work starts—the it, it the work opens up doors, and it leads. those doors lead to other places. And sometimes I do get to know the artist, and sometimes I do get to spend a lot of time with them, and I certainly do now because of what I do. And I just think that it's interesting to reflect upon how I got to have that experience back then and how I get to do that stuff um, now and how I never tire of it ever, and how I also think— That when people ask me what's the purpose of art or what's the point of art, I think it's about, very much about allowing people to have conversations with each other. And these days that is so much, it is even more important (laughs) than it's ever been. Or, I mean, it's always been important, but it feels like it's even more important that we need to keep having conversations with each other. And art is really, art facilitates that process, I think, a lot for me and a hope for others,
1: too. That is super nice. You know when you read a book at different stages of your life? Yeah. It kind of like tells you that there's something there for you. Doesn't matter where you are positioned, that's always like very constant for you. Yeah. That is very cool. (laughs) I like that.
0: I feel lucky for that. Yeah. That's super nice.
1: (laughs) That's a very cool story. Thank you so much for sharing all this with with us. And uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
0: Of course. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I love
0: the conversations that we have. (laughs) Awesome.
1: (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Megan Bradley from Parisian Laundry. Thanks for sticking around until the end. Oh, and by the way, if you are looking for an alternative art space to host an art show... I have some information which can be really useful for you. Send me an email to marx at intothispodcast.com. That is M-A-R-X at intothispodcast.com. It's enough. This episode was mixed and mastered by Milton Matthew. Visual design was done by Victor Garibay, a.k.a. Gatti. Edition, production, and hosting was done by me, Marks Rich Wilson. To find the list of artists and songs used in this episode, please visit our website, intothispodcast.com. In the next episode, I'll have a conversation with artist Mark Dudiak There's lots of kids who can draw. I could draw. I got praise for it. I liked it, you know, so I kept doing it. And then I read a lot of comic books. Uh, comic books, I, I think about them a lot to this day, actually. Um... I don't read them anymore though but um, (laughs) well I can't afford to this and a lot more in episode number 10 of Into This Podcast thanks for listening and talk to you soon cheers